Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Hallelujah. I'm going to talk to you this morning about healing because it's so important that you know that, you know how to get healed. And uh, let's see where I want to start at. I think I want to start over in Luke. It's Gospel chapter 5. And, we've got, and we're going to minister to people if you need it today. We may have words of knowledge and other things may operate for deliverance and other things we'll just see. But I wanted to start over here in Luke chapter 5 because it's such an interesting comment here. And then I have some testimonies here. And this one just happened last weekend. Just a, one of the most powerful testimonies I've ever heard. And I'm not the healer, but I'm a FedEx guy. I bring it. You know, I'm not bragging, but I always bring it because that's in my call. That's rolled up in who I am internally. Not bragging, but you know, if you don't have it, you could always just lay hands on the sick. You may get them healed. You could if you study it, but that doesn't make you, certainly doesn't make you a five-fold minister and doesn't make you a prophet, of course, either. Even if you have a dream here and there or a vision or something. Anyway, we're not talking about my office this morning, just talking about healing, all kinds of ways to get healed. But here in Luke 5, let me read this. I'm going to read 12 through 17. And it came to pass when uh, no, excuse me, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy. This indicates this man is fully ate up with it. Like, you know, you have cancers, stage 1, 2, 3, and 4, I believe. I'm not a doctor, but that's what I've been told. So if you have four-stage cancer, you're in bad shape. And if you don't get it turned, you're going to die for sure normally. And I was in a meeting in Bowling Green. I don't know when that was. Let me think a second, maybe last year. And the guy in the wheelchair was sitting over here on the side. And I was in a side room with the pastor in Bowling Green. is Pastor Brandon Thompson and Tiffany. And uh, I came out and said, hey, Dr. Jacobs, you know me? I said, sir, I'm sorry. I just meet so many people. I can't keep track of everybody. You know how many churches I'm in in a year? He said, no, I said a lot. He said, well, I wanted to tell you something. I, I have a, a friend that's a lady. I'm not dating her or anything, but she's a good friend. She had rheumatoid arthritis, and she walked funny and said, she came to your meeting, and he pointed up front to Randy Parnell. When you were at his church, she came forward and received, and she's just rocking all over town. She's totally been redeemed. I mean, she, have you ever seen anybody walk? That's, and I'm not making fun, you understand. That just goes with the territory, and she's like, you know, just very yeah. unusual looking. I had another lady healed of that in Nashville one time. And anyway, I'll get, get back to my story. This guy didn't know him either. He said, well, she got totally healed in your meeting. I said, she did. Well, she didn't write me, that rascal. <laughs> then he said, uh, my good friend had stage four cancer of the lungs, both lungs. He was dying. You ministered to him, and he's totally got a clean bill of health. Oh, wow. And those are, they're not even people that write me. They just get the goodies and they forget about me. I'm not asking them for money unless I'm in an offering-taking mode. You know what I'm saying. But you'd think somebody would send a thank you just to let me know that whatever we did worked. And we know how to make it work if people will cooperate. That's the problem because people don't cooperate. They don't understand. But we're trying to help everybody get healed and be healed and stay healed. And you need to know how to get healed. And if you don't know, you're in trouble. Yeah. 
You can go to a doctor, and I, I thank God for doctors, but they're still practicing medicine. Some of them are better than others. Some of them are smarter than others. Some of them are smart alecks. But I'm just talking to you. So are people in the church smart alecks sometimes. So I'm just talking. But I, I said, neither one of those people wrote me and told me that. And I said, that's awesome. But I figured it up a while back. I think about one out of, out of ten that get healed or touched or get delivered ever write me. I'm not, I don't want their money. I just like to have their comments. All right. So where are we at here? This guy was full of leprosy. Reminded me of that four-stage cancer in that man's lungs. And I have an anointing for lungs, too, in addition to whatever my faith is doing. And he said, this guy was full of leprosy. I'm in Luke 5, 12, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if you will, thou canst make me clean. Now, really, I have to deal with this a little bit. Saying that Jesus will do it or could do it is not faith at all. That's just, you know, people just trying to show out, act like they believe something. Let's not believe it. You believe he could. Do you believe he will? Do you believe he'll do it for you? That's the real issue. All right. And you've got to think like this to get healed. Listen, you've got to think like this. You don't have to listen to me or just keep getting sick. I want to get you well, and I'm not the healer, but I have parts of him in me, and Jesus is living in me, and he gave me that as part of my call. I'm not going into the whole detail right now. But anyway, he said, if you will, I know you could make me clean, but I don't know you will make me clean. He put forth his hand, Jesus, touched him, saying, I will be thou clean, and immediately the leprosy departed from him. Here's, here's a man not afraid to lay hands on anything. I've laid hands on people with AIDS and all kinds of stuff. I had to dress up, put gloves on in there, you know, do what the nurse asked me to do. And some of them got healed. Not all of them. Not all of them that Jesus prayed for got healed too because they weren't in faith. You know, let me just say it this way to cut to the chase. If you think I'm going to do it all for you, I would if I could, but I can't. That's because you've got to learn how to do this. And you've got to learn to do it for yourself. You've got to learn to do it for your family. You've got to learn to do it for, if you care about people. Unless you just don't care, you want to send flowers in a card, that ain't going to get it. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not healing them. All right. He put forth his hand. Immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he charged him to tell no man, but go and show yourself unto the priest and offer for thy cleansing, according to Moses, commanded for a testimony unto them. He's quoting that out of the Old Testament in Leviticus. But so much more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear, to hear Jesus, or hear the word. He's the word. Jesus is the word made flesh. You hear enough word, your flesh will change. Any part of it. Or you can get new parts. I know you thought Napa would give car parts. They do, but God gives human parts. And, and it said you could hear and be healed. So here's the key. You've got to hear it. You've got to hear the word. I was just talking to somebody recently that has cancer. And I said, you've got to listen to the word all the time. You can get on my website. I've got over 200 messages, probably six or eight series on healing. This is all different things we talked about. And listen to it. You got an earplug, you can put it in so you're not disturbed by others, but you can listen. To hear and to be healed. Notice healing came, uh, hearing came first. Even if you have faith, it'll prick your faith and kind of make it rise up. Anyway, they were healed by him, by Jesus or the word of their infirmities or weaknesses. It could be anything mental, emotional, physical, financial. 
And he withdrew himself into the wilderness, that's Jesus, and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. See, if the, if, you're not, if the churches don't preach the word on healing, they're not going to have it. I don't care what, how big they got the church is huge, but they don't teach anything along this line. You're going to be sick. And if that pastor is stupid enough to ridicule those of us who do teach it, he's going to be sick. His judgment will come. You don't have to believe me. You just pay attention. I've paid attention for 50-some years now. Anyway. But notice the, the power of the Lord was present right here now because of what Jesus preached. And he preached it right back up here when he said, I will. And because he said it to that man, he says it to me and you today. And while I'm preaching, if you need to repent over something, just under your breath, say, Father, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah, Be smart. You don't have to be perfect, but you have to be spiritual, and you have to be smart enough to know what I'm saying. All right. So what we're aiming at today, the power of the Lord will be present when I begin to minister to people. If you'll believe it, receive it. I'm not God. I'm just the son of God. But I know my calling, and I know what's in my mantle or my anointing that I have in me. It didn't come from me. I'm, just, I'm on loan with it. Okay. I wanted to read this to you. We're, gonna, we're not in a hurry. I didn't ask them to cut anything short, but they said they just got a few short songs. And Jordan called me last night and said, Dad, I don't feel good. And I said, well, you haven't felt good a couple of days. Uh, what do you need? And he said, well, I wondered if you'd do the service for me. I said, well, I will, but you could ask somebody else if you want to. But I'll be glad to take care of that if you want me to. And he, he really suggested I preach on finances, but he added this because he knows me. But you don't have to if God doesn't witness that to you. And he didn't witness that to me, so I'm not going to do that. All right, I'm teaching on what God told me to preach. This, uh, this is, uh, the name is Robin. I don't know if it's a male or a female, but I think it's a male. Uh, last night you called, this was just a meeting I was just in in Michigan last weekend. Wasn't that right? Is that right? Anybody know? Okay. It says, last night you called people up that had scoliosis and arthritis and etc. And I was a heroin addict for 25 plus years, and I've been run down. I'm just thinking he's wondering he's still alive because I did heroin one time and I never took it again. But that wasn't my drug of choice, so I went with the one I liked, which was different. You know, people say, "Did you give up uh, drugs for Jesus?" I gave up drugs because they were killing me. I don't think you understand me when I say I wasn't a play with it anything. I wasn't a play with it addict. I'm certainly not a play with it man of God. I'm not bragging about it. I'm just saying, don't, why you get in it if you're not going to be totally, what's Jordan call it, all in? Your feet on them because you go places you shouldn't be. Your finances aren't taken care of because you don't do what you should do as a church member. That's my teaching on it. I got a lot more I can say. And this, this person, I don't know, it could be a man or a woman because the first name is Robin. And, and they said, I had been in the ER before church and had bronchitis, and I woke up today not only healed from the bronchitis and also feel I'm healed from COPD, emphysema, asthma. I feel no arthritis in my hips or any pain in my back. I have not felt 
this good since before doing drug use. And uh, that was many, many years ago. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Everything is uh, medically documented. So I may call him or have the staff see if he'd send me the, the documentation. I have documentation for some people. Two, two people that got healed of HIV, a male and a female. Now that's, that's from, where was I just at? Let me think what's the name. I don't know where I was at here. Ludington, Michigan. It's up there a ways. But anyway, uh, this guy is from Texas. His name is Nicholas. He says, almost 10 years ago, our family had recently become COTR in Georgetown. That's Dr. Hannibal's church. I went up in Dr. Jacob's prayer line for healing. I had suffered from asthma my whole life and a severe case of asthmatic cough for at least 10 years all at that point. While I was in the line, Dr. Jacobs said he saw an angel put his finger in my chest. After that service, I have never had any other serious issue with my breathing or with my asthmatic cough. Praise God. <laughs> and God's got parts. It didn't say he got a new lung, but I have had him get a new lung. I, I, I know the documentation for that, California. Anyway. This is a, it's from California here. This is from Pastor Nancy's church. Her first name's Dana. In April 2013, a drunk driver hit me uh, and all but one of my ribs on the right side were broken. They weren't just broken. They were broken in multiple places and displaced. I don't know if you know what that means. You're in a lot of pain with your ribs. And, and to not all, not all of the gone pieces were heading in the correct uh, direction. The surgeon said, I need a year to heal. I'm a horse trainer, and I need to be able to use my body to deal with horses, push them, pull them, different things as she trains them, and I needed new strength. After I got out of the trauma center and one of the hospitals, excuse me here, let me see, at the hospital, I came home and was in excruciating pain. I had to have help to get in and out of bed. And I go to World Harvest Church at Pastor Nancy's. Let me see here. It said Dr. Jacobs was ministering and he spoke out to our church for Dr. and Pastor Nancy's church. I was speaking and I called that out. I really wasn't up for going to church, but I felt led to go, especially since Dr. Jacobs was going to be there. I know her and her husband somewhat well. As, it was, as he was preaching, he stopped and said, there is someone here who has an injury on their right side. I sense it's your ribs, and, uh, and they've been broken up. Come up here now, and I'll lay hands on you and, uh, and release the healing anointing. Let's see, I'm just trying to read it carefully. He, he knew nothing of the accident whatsoever, and, that, and except the, by the Spirit of God. After that day, my ribs healed at a remarkable pace. It healed completely, and I was uh, fine after that, and still train and ride most every day. It would be hard to ride a horse with your ribs that have been cracked and broken. You would be, you'd, you'd just get off that horse real quick. Thank you, Dr. Jacobs, for hearing from the Holy Ghost. I so appreciate your ministry. Wonderful lady and her husband. Her husband got healed in my ministry of 
his father killed himself. And he felt really ashamed. He felt mad. He felt rejected. He felt like, what is wrong with my dad? And I was teaching on, I think he got a series of my tapes about something. He was telling me about it. He said, I got delivered from all that pain, all that disappointment. I was beginning to be enraged about it, that my dad would do this to me. He left me. He didn't have to, but he did. And so he said, you can use my testimony anywhere in the world you want to. Give him my name. I don't care. And he, you know, he's just a man going through life. That's a hard thing to take when somebody that you thought loved you just kills himself. Mm -hmm. you know, we're just talking about that a minute. Listen, God can heal you of any kind of issue you have in your mind. Most people that deal with devils, they got issues in their mind first before they ever manifest anything. I'm not teaching on that today, but I'm teaching on healing. But this is from a lady named Tracy. I would like, uh, she says, I'd like to have a link to purchase more material from Dr. Jacobs. I've been in a handful of his services at church in Paducah. That's Dr. Cody. And I was actually healed the very first night. And I was healed from severe autoimmune issues. To date, all my blood work does not show any autoimmune disease. My daughter was healed as well from scoliosis. Thank you, Jesus. At the time, I believe she was 13. It's been four years now. In a recent pediatric appointment, the doctor asked my daughter to bend over and then straighten up. Confused, the doctor looked at me and said, she didn't have surgery, did she? Because she's thinking she had scoliosis. And you can tell by the wording of the, that the doctor was confused. So I piped up and said, Destiny, that's her daughter, and I were both healed from God during a healing services four, four years ago. Wow. No response from the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Not interested. Yeah. Yeah. Now, not everybody's that rejectful, but, you know, here's a man in the healing ministry, supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. And he don't even care that you got healed and didn't need to have surgery, didn't have to have, to have a new heart, a new valve, and all that stuff. You know, she said of him, he just doesn't know how to take God sometimes. They limit him in their minds. Anyway, I was hoping to order some more material. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just some wonderful testimonies, I think. All right, I better get back to this. I hope we get back some more of these testimonies. They're just all over the board, you know, different things that they were healed of and stuff. So we're going to talk about this. Look at Exodus 15. And this is just a one message that we put together a few years ago, and I think it'll help you. I call it Healing School, and the real title is The Will of, the will of God to Heal Everyone. Yeah. I didn't say everyone got it, but it's God's will for everybody to get it. Okay. Exodus 15, and let's see here, verse 26, if, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and will do that which is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put or permit, should read, none of these diseases upon thee, which I brought upon thee, uh, which, let me see, which I have brought, I will put or permit none of these diseases upon thee, which I brought or permitted upon the Egyptians. He had to permit it because he got so out there, the, the guy there in Egypt. I think uh, my, net, my, my grandson over there, uh, Judah, was with me. We were watching 
I think it was Prince of Egypt. Maybe was that it? And he asked me about this death angel stuff. I said, well, God don't have any death angels. He is living angels. They don't bring death to you. His angels. The devil does. But I said God wanted to include them in his covenant with the Israelis, but they wouldn't take it. So after a while, he just said, okay, I'm going to close the door on that. And if you knew what happened in the Bible, you sh if you should have got Spielberg's if you're just too lazy to read your Bible. I'm not mad at you. If I'm mad, you'll know it. Just trust me. My wife said, you seem aggravated. You've never seen me really aggravated, honey. All right. So he didn't permit that because he wasn't the one bringing it anyway. But So we have to, this one, I'll point something out, this one verse on you. Listen to the voice of the Lord thy God. That doesn't just mean read your Bible. That's where people miss it. Many times in my life, God's spoken to me many, 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 hundreds of times, thousands probably. Because I didn't know what to do at that moment. I knew my Bible somewhat, but I didn't have a specific word from him. And he would speak to me, do this, and it'll be okay. So I did that, and it was okay. Whatever I was believing for to come to pass that I needed. Or for somebody else, even. Okay, now I want to read, I want to read a couple of translations of this part. He says, for I am the Lord, at the end of verse 26, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Notice he is the Lord. He's not going to be or was. He is. I am. Current, current tense. I'm the Lord that heals you. It's not wrong to go to a doctor. I'm not preaching that. I'm not against doctors. Just like other people, preachers. I love them all, but some of them are goofy. All right. Thank you so much. I'm not, I'm not a hater. But if you're, you don't know nothing, you got to keep your mouth shut about a certain subject. And then I got to turn if some of the greatest preachers in TV land. I have to turn them off sometimes. They're just full of nothing when it comes to that subject. In fact, one of them is healing. I don't care how many people you've got bud in your church. You're not a big shot when you're ignorant on something so vital. You're going to bury people because you don't teach it. Okay, I'm not on the pastor, not on you. You can either take what I'm saying or stick your tongue out, whatever. I'm going to go ahead and preach this. Because I think there's enough people here that would like to know this. And probably some of you heard me preach this before. Good, you're getting watered now. You put the seed in the ground, we're watering it. All right. So it says, um, I, the Lord, am your healer, for I, the Lord, am thy physician. I, the Lord, uh, I'm your life giver. Man, that's rich. I, Jehovah, am healing thee. And I love this one here, these, this one here. I, the Lord, will bring thee only health. And you know why? Because you don't have sickness to bring. Where would he get it? I wouldn't want to go to heaven for anybody if I thought my master was going to put sickness and disease on me up there. I'd say, you could just keep it. Heaven too. That's not the kind of God I serve. God is good. Devil's bad. That's, that's the purest theology I know in all the Bible. Jesus is good. The devil's bad. He'll put stuff on you like that. Now, here's something that's interesting too. Uh, I, I got the fold here, and it's kind of, I will make you immune to diseases. Amen. So I thought I knew what immunity was, but I looked it up anyway. Marked by protection, not susceptible to it, or responsive to it, or you don't have a high degree towards it, because it doesn't come from God. He makes you immune. That's right. How would he do that? By you knowing the Bible? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's other, we're going to look at some other things here, and he bore it all. He took all of our sicknesses. I don't have time to mention all of them. 
You read Deuteronomy 28, they're all listed there, or a derivative of that. They have some new stuff. Now there's more coming. I hate to disillusion you, but that's the devil doing that. I don't blame God for what the devil does. That's the dumbest thing people have ever thought of, to just put it all on God like they don't want to study anything. So anyway, so we're talking about something that's important. And I'm going to lead you right now just in a short prayer. I don't know if you've maybe done this with me before, just act like it's new and act excited about it. Would you do that? I think you need a coffee bar out front here tonight, today. Everybody's looking like you're just stuck. It more, listen, you'll never get much from God until you're excited about Him. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're just chewing good while I'm feeding you. Father, we thank you for your healing power. And we thank you that you're our healer. And there's no prejudice with you. There's no partiality with you. Everyone that wants it can have it. So I receive you now not only as my Savior and my Lord, but my healer. Because you heal all my diseases. And I thank you that you're my healer. You're my physician. You're the God who bore it all for me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's just what all we need to do. You can say that every day if you want. It won't, it won't be redundant if you mean it. So anyway. Now, let's go over to Isaiah 53 and look something over here. Isaiah 53 and verse 1, for example, Isaiah 53, I'm going to read a couple of verses here, but verse 1 is kind of interesting. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm or the strength of the Lord revealed? That arm represents strength. But who's believed our report? That's what I want to say sometimes. Who's believed the report I gave about Jesus being the healer? Yeah, and you don't want to just wait until you get a terrible prediction from a natural person. He might be a great doctor, but maybe he don't know God. He may even go to a church. He might be saved, but he's not spirit-filled, and he don't know anything about what I'm teaching you today. And if he would want to sit down, he want to argue with me about it. That's a good way to really get sick, when you argue against the Word. You want to argue with me, I'm not going to argue with you because I already know what I believe, and it's just what I'm teaching you. Whether I got it the first shot out of the box or not, that's not the issue. Most people don't because they've been taught incorrectly. That's the reason a lot of people are sick. They got the wrong information. I just can't believe human beings that are supposed to be a little bit intelligent will go to a church and give money to that church that teaches them Jesus is the problem. Or that God's your problem. That theology is really messed up. And it'll cause stuff to happen to you. And then you'll just blame God for it. So you're going to have to believe the report to get a hold of this. And you can. That's why I'm going through these scriptures. Let, let me look here. I mean, still in Isaiah 53. Look at verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs. And I'll translate that in just a minute. The word griefs. Surely, not maybe, not supposedly. Surely he hath bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. First word is griefs. And the Hebrew word is... Uh, sicknesses, and, and the second one, sorrow, is pains. So he, he took our sicknesses and he bore our pains. So if he bore it, I don't have to bear it because he already bore it. 
All right, so we need to think about that a lot. It's unfortunate they didn't put the real word there. No, I, I don't think I don't even know if my Bible has that in it or not. I'm not sure, but I wrote it up at the top of the page so I wouldn't forget it many years ago. So I would be sure to think of that way. He bore my my sicknesses and diseases and carried my pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for my sins, my transgressions, and yours. He was bruised for our iniquities that we had committed. The chastisement of our peace so that we could have peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Now, I know that's tricky to you because we're saying it in the first person and the present tense. We are here. We're not going to be. We are. You can say that enough, and if you believe it enough and keep feeding your faith on the Bible, on these scriptures, you'll come to a place where your faith will work automatically. But you have to be conscious that you're going to do it that way. Because you get away from it, I think it's in Hebrews 2 on teaching on angels, you know, if you don't let it slip. He's talking about teaching on angels, but people let all kinds of things slip. And if it slips bad, you're in big trouble. Yeah. Right. See? So I'm just encouraging you to go through the word, uh, you know, and read it and read it and go back over it and sing it and read it and get you a different translation every once in a while just for good measure. Yeah. And some of them aren't as good as others are, but they're still the scriptures. You know, sometimes we can be picky. I don't know about you, I can, but anyway. Because I know a few things. I don't know everything. Nobody does. But Jesus knows everything. I don't care what kind of pastor you are. Or a preacher or any of the five gifts that Miss Morgan talked about, Pastor Morgan. So we want to see here. Let me see. what is. Here's some other translations of this, what I'm just reading you here. Uh, the lesser, he was a Hebrew, famous Hebrew scholar, Scholar, the official Jewish people believed in the Bible he translated. But only our diseases did he bear himself and our pains he carried. Think of that. He carried my pains and yours. For what? For everything. Whatever rise to come against you and give you pain. He didn't want you to have pain. You're his children. I don't want my children to have pain. If you're a normal person and you're not demon possessed today, you don't want that for anybody in your family. You can enlarge that to the whole community, too. Yes. All right. And then the Rotherham says, Yet surely our sicknesses he carried, and as far as our pains, he bore the burden of them. Amen. The Byington translation says, In fact, it was our sicknesses he was carrying, our pains he was loaded with. And then uh, the lesser translation down there, Through his bruises was healing granted us. Amen. You know, you saw, probably saw the passion. Some of you did. And, but, and they, you know, they tried to do their best. I think, was it Mel Gibson that did that? But really, it's just so dramatic according to Scripture. You know, he didn't even look like a man anymore. Right. Beat, him, beat him to death. Tortured him and stuff. But then all that sickness was laid on him too. Jesus was tearing that, carrying that. Moffat says, the blows that fell to him have brought us healing. What a verse. Moffat's got some great things. Okay, I'm moving pretty quick here, aren't I? Not bad. The Young translation, he, that's the Young Concordance, but he also has different books he wrote. He was a Hebrew and Greek scholar, but he says here, by his bruise there is healing to us. In other words, what I'm trying to get across to you, when this, what we're talking about is healing, take it personal. See, somehow you've got to get your mind renewed. Yeah, but we buried Uncle so-and-so and he went to a church like that. So what does that have to do with you? Maybe Uncle Doodad didn't know something or he had some secret things in his life. 
that his faith didn't work. I don't know. I'm not blaming him. You either get it or you don't get it. But if you're saved, you're going to go to heaven. But you've got to get it personal. Mm -hmm. don't, let your, don't let other people interpret the Bible for you by the way they live. The way they cuss, the way they talk, the way smart Alex and you know, just they ridicule everything about what we trust and found it precious. I'm not throwing no mashed potatoes. You know, Christmas is coming. You always got some smart aleck in your family. He goes to Church of Christ and he's going to tell you everything about the Bible. Boy, you are bad shape. Yeah. You know, if certain denominations don't teach things, you have to realize they're cutting us short of something that could be incredibly important to you. I'm sure the past, a lot of pastors are dedicated to God and they love God and do the best they can do. That's my statement. But that doesn't mean they're right when they say something that's totally wrong. You know? I never saw Jesus lay hands on somebody and said, take that leprosy, you dirty dog, you. He didn't do that. And he's never going to do that. All right, I'm just trying to help you here. Okay, let's, let's go over here to... Uh, uh, let me give you one more verse here, verse 10 of Isaiah 53. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. That word there says to make him sick. See, listen, God laid that on him for us so we wouldn't have to bear it. You know, after Adam, everything went downhill. I hope you know that. I'm not blaming him anymore than I blame myself. But he was in charge then, and he didn't take the authority and use it. And his wife was messed up too. And I don't know, you know, just talking about it. And he, it just put a damper on everything in the earth at that time. Because he had so much authority. He said, let us make man in our image. Let, him, let us make man as a bank manager. No, let us make man as a, a you know, a president. No, let us make man as a senator. No, some of those guys could be Christians. But that's not what he said. Make him in our image. And honey, if that won't fix it, you just, you're done. If you're made in the image of God, and you are. You're made in the image of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And this is his word to us. We have to put a value on that and believe it irresponsible of what people say sometimes. I mean, I had some people in my own family thought I was in a cult. And I'd already been to seminary and many years after that, and they still thought that. I couldn't help them. I loved them, but I couldn't help them. Some of my kinfolk, some of the closest kinfolk. They were all excited that a drug addict me is going to get saved. They were thrilled about that. Then I went too far for them. Yeah, then they began to ridicule me, make fun of me. Sorry you did that, but I'm going to move it on. I don't need you as much as I need him. Yeah, just telling the truth. This is good preaching. I'm going to ask to hear him to pat my back in a minute. <laughs> okay. Now let's go, let's go over here. I want you to see that that's really what it says here. He put him to grief. It really says in the Hebrew, he made him sick. And he made him sick with our diseases and situations, sicknesses, pains, all of that. Mental problems. You know, all kinds. You just wouldn't believe how much money the, farm, the drug dealers that are legal make on anti-depression drugs. Billions and billions and billions and billions. 
And if you need it, take it. But I don't think that's smart because it fools with your brain chemistry. And normally if you try to get off of it, they got to back you off of it. I prayed for a girl one time. She said, I've been depressed all of my life. I'm 29. I got one baby. I'm unmarried. I laid hands on her and said, spirit of depression, come out. I didn't even know she was on medication. I went back the next year. She cornered me in the sanctuary when it was over. Come to me very polite. My name's Maureen Mueller. Dr. Jacobs, can I talk to you a minute? I said, sure you can. She said, you know, when you came last year, I told you my testimony. I don't have it with me, but I carry it with me a lot. And she said, you know, I went off of Prozac immediately. I got delivered from the depression. I went off Prozac the next morning. I said, I didn't tell you to do that, did I? No. I said, well, good. Well, how did it go? Because I happen to know Prozac's, it's an anti-depression medicine that fools with your brain chemistry. And you're not going to go cold turkey off stuff like that. You're going to have a meltdown. You're going to be down in the mental ward in a couple of days without that drug because it's made you feel something, made you to act a certain way. I'm not saying it's, it, you're evil because you take that, but brother and sister, you're going to have, you're gonna, if you get delivered, you're going to have to really be serious. And I sat by a pharmacy, a pharmacist on a plane one time. He sat down and said, what do you do for a living? Man, I said, I preach. What do you do for a living? He said, I'm a pharmacist. I own three of them in California. I got, I, you're just the man I'm looking for. He looked at me like, I don't know you, do I? <laughs> no, but you will in just a minute. Would you answer me a pharmaceutical question? I think I know the answer, but I'd like you to talk to me. I'm a preacher, and I prayed for this young lady. She was 29, been taking Prozac since she was 25. No husband, a child she's raising, four or five years old, not married, and she was just ate up with depression. I laid hands on her and cast that spirit of depression out of her. He didn't believe that, but I told him anyway. Yeah. And he said, uh, he said, I don't know the doses she took. I can't tell you that exactly, but she'd been on it for four years every day. He said normally that would take 12 weeks to back her off of it. And if you didn't, if you just walked away and threw your medicine away, you're going to have a meltdown somewhere. Your brain's going to get dysfunctional all of a sudden, and you're going to have to go to the hospital or somewhere to get some help because you can't go cold turkey off that unless God touches you. I didn't tell her to get off of it. I don't want to tell anybody to get off your medicine. If you want to take it, take it. But just remember there are consequences that you get with everything in life. I think uh, Pastor Morgan would teach you sowing and receiving. You know, when I was a drug addict, I didn't act like I act now. You know, and I didn't care what you thought about it either. I still don't care too much, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> you're, not, you're acting like you're in a tomb here. I don't know. I got to wake you up. This will help you. So let's go to John 10.10. 10. And I'm not, I'm not near done, but I'm getting there, so... Bear with me a little while longer. It looks like I've been preaching 40 minutes. It seems like 10 to me. I won't go, I'll wear you out all day, but I, I do want to finish this message and, and minister to you too. Uh, those who need it. Here's what, interesting, I forgot I had this testimony. Sometimes I look around and I got a big stack of them there. I go, where'd they come from? Anyway, I purchased she's this lady, Shelly. She is from Kansas. She said, I purchased Dr. Jacobs' single CD teaching on the blood. And a short time later, was prompted by the Holy Spirit to listen to it while my children and I drove into town. While in town that day, my daughter had her finger pinched in the hinge side of a heavy metal door. You know, that'll mess up your finger. She said her finger was instantly discolored and deformed. Immediately from within, the Holy Spirit prompted me to apply the blood to her finger. 
And because I just listened to Dr. Jacob's teaching on the blood, I knew right away what to do. I grabbed her finger and applied the blood, and within 30 minutes, her finger was completely restored to normal. Why would you think a lady would lie about that? I mean, let's see here. Uh, the one incident completely changed my life as a mom. I have five children from age 12 and under. God bless that lady. <laughs> That's a few years back when she wrote me. But anyway, uh, I see, so let me see here. Every time they come to me with a physical complaint of any kind, the first thing I now do is apply the blood to it, no matter how big or small the complaint is. We hold the blood over that situation until it is restored. I have faith in the blood of Jesus, she says. I have become a consistent confession. That has become a consistent confession of mine. I regularly listen to the CD while driving in the car. My children can be heard saying, the blood is working on it. <laughs> what a family. It has been a year since we began to make much of the blood. You remember my little book, it has a, as a prophecy came out of me about you make much about the blood, the blood will make much about you. And the opposite is true too. You never talk about the blood, it's not going to help you. In any area. It's redeemed you, but you don't know what redemption is. So it's still not going to help you unless you know what you're believing. All right. The blood is working on it. I love that. It has been a year since we began to make much about the blood regarding our children and our health. And in that time, we have not had one single doctor visit for any of them due to illness because the blood works on our behalf. Thank you, Dr. Jacobs, for this valuable teaching on the precious blood of Jesus. And that's on my website. You can go get it and listen to it for nothing. Don't even charge you on the blood. And that's just a wonderful testimony, I think. Yeah, and the kids are getting it. They're getting it with her, with mom. They're saying the blood's working on it. You know, that's that's something else. All right. So John ten ten here. Let's look at John ten and ten. This is one of the critical scriptures. I call it in the Bible. Everything's in the Bible is a scripture, but some are more meaningful when you know what they represent and what they really say. The thief, verse 10, the thief is not God, it's not Jesus, not the Holy Ghost. They're not stealing from us. The thief cometh not. He's talking about the devil here. Uh, the thief comes not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And the, the Greek there says until it overflows. So we've got we've to learn that what comes from the devil, we don't, we don't glorify that. And we don't say God did that. You know, I mean, I don't understand some people. I, I was watching the news I, a couple of years ago, 6 o'clock news, and a guy was on there, a pastor with his one member of his flock, a man, he's down outside a burning, burning house, and the fire truck's behind him, they're squirting water. And the preacher got up, and the, the father of the, that household I said, you know, well, we never know what God's going to do, and they blamed God for that fire that killed the wife and all of his kids. I wanted to throw tomatoes at him, but I'm in my own house. And he's on TV spreading that unbelief yeah. in this city. It happened in New Albany. I'm going to say, shut him up, somebody. Yeah. But see, now I'm not being rude. I'm just being technical. That is not what God does. He's not out killing your children and burning your house down. You know, people, I just wonder how they find the floor in the morning thinking like that. I really do. That's pathetic. I mean, you don't have to know much to know that God's good. Yeah. And there's a pastor that supposedly knows God enough to be a preacher. But he's agreeing with the guy and said it himself as a preacher. I marked that. I'm never going to go to that guy's church. He blames God for everything. 
that God's the punisher now and all that. You can get yourself in trouble because you don't obey what he said to do. And if you're not quick to repent, then the devil can sneak up on you and put something on you. But that's not God letting that happen. You're letting it happen. You got a lot more to do with your life than you ever dreamed of. I don't think you believe it yet, but I do. What I do, where I'm going, everything. When I'm going home, just all kinds of stuff. If you want it, you can have it, but you got to pay attention. You can't sit up and suck up on TV every day with all their non... It's all fiction anymore. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm just talking. So remember this verse, John 10, 10. If it comes to steal from you, steal your health, steal your memory, steal this or steal, steal your money, and things like try to steal your kids from you, Oh, just all, anything that comes to take from me, I know that's the devil immediately. And I, I take authority over that and speak to it and I bind it and rebuke it. But everything comes from God. He says he gave, came to give us life and that he might give it to us more abundantly or until it overflows. That's pretty full. You would have to pour some water in that even to get it to the top. But it's overflowing. God's ability and God's grace and God, what God does is overcomes everything. So that's just one verse, but it's so important that God is not a thief. Jesus is not a robber. And neither is the Holy Ghost. They're, they're all our helpers, really, the Holy Ghost right now primarily that, but God's involved in it, and so is Jesus. All right. So just remember that verse and look at it often. And, you know, when you sometimes say something, you don't, you don't have to be the big corrector either. Sometimes I just let people go on in their ignorance because they're not interested in what I got to say. Yeah. Looking at their watch, like I gotta get out of here. So, you know, I can't help people that won't listen. All I can do is give you the report. Whose report, again, I say, whose report are you gonna believe? And I know this hurts to say this, but sometimes your parents, your grandparents, and some unbelieving preacher is the one that taught you. And whatever you learn first, you remained with that until you get it out, confess it as sin, that is anti-God, anti-Jesus, anti-Holy, anti-help. He never made his children to want to be beggars. Yeah. I'm just talking. All right. So let's, uh, let's go over here to 1 John just a minute, look at another key verse about what, who does what. 1 John 3 and 8, if you don't mind with me. And just remember some of these verses as you go through life. And I'm not arguing with everybody. You know, people say a lot of things. I'm on a plane one time, and it, <laughs> I don't know if the pilot was drunk on narcotics or just something's wrong with him. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm, we're starting to land. I look out. I'm in first class, and I'm by the window, and there's just grass under me. But I'd prayed Psalm 91 when I got on the plane. Yeah. Big guy from Texas sitting next to me. He's got a belt buckle worth twenty thousand dollars. He's got boots that cost five thousand. And he's bragging to me about it, what a good businessman he was. And he saw when I got on the plane, what are you doing? I said, I'm praying Psalm ninety one. You want in? Yeah, I do. I want to say, take that belt off, you big sissy. Take those boots off, you big sissy. I don't care how much money you got, you're scared. And we hadn't even took off yet. But people were screaming on that plane. Ah! We're all going down. I said, no, you're not. I just said it out loud before I knew what I'd done. Nobody beat me up for it. 
Everybody that had half of rain was thankful I said that. Right. We're not going down. Yeah. You know, when you think you're going down, everybody around you acts goofy, yeah. then they think you're going down. And I said, no, I'm not going down. You're not going down. Yeah. I didn't take the whole plane over or anything, but if they had given me a couple minutes, I could have preached. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. I'm not. And traveling with that Texan that had that belt as big as a hubcap, I mean, my God. You making fun? I sure am. I'm making fun of people that dress that way and then doesn't have any faith in anything. I said, I'm going to read Psalm 91. I, I'm not reading it to the whole plane. I'll put you in it with me if you want. Yeah, I'd like that. And he took off. He's got, he, his knuckles are white. He's holding on. I don't know. I just laid back, took a little nap. But anyway, I trained myself to do that. I didn't want to do it. Listen, it's not about what you want. If it's about that, you're going to fail. About what you want. Unless your mind's renewed, then you could go with that because it's God's will taking place. But I didn't want to do all that that you need to do to be the man that I've become. Right. I'm not perfect in any area. Listen to me. I'm telling you something important. If you listen and not be rude to me and act like, what, he think he's all that? I think I'm what God's made me to be. I'm agreeing with this instead of agreeing with all the other stuff the whole world agrees with. Like God's a jerk. He don't know what he's doing. Yeah. I said to somebody one day, if God's in charge down here, he's got it in a mess. I don't think he could handle heaven for sure. Because I don't believe God's in charge of that. You and I are down here. You know, you know he's not going to do any more for you than the Bible tells you because he's through. Jesus sat down because he's through. Okay, thank you so much. Just, and he expects us to believe what he says. Okay, 1 John 3. I'm going to read it. 1 John 3 and 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, this is why Jesus came, the Son of God, that's him, Jesus is his name, was manifested or came to the earth, born of a virgin and so forth, that he might destroy the works of the devil. According to that, the works of the devil are already destroyed. You have to stand on that because the devil will tempt you. You know, he's the tempter, he's the tempter, not God. God will try you, but he don't tempt you. And see if you live right and think right. But this tells us what Jesus did. He destroyed the works of the devil. What comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So, so in some ways, let me say it to you as sweet as I can say it. If you're giving place to things that take from you, then you're agreeing with the wrong being. Unless you can stop it. But the devil hates people like me. Because I'm going to put up with his nonsense. I, you, I'm going to get my throat out. I'm going to beat the you-know-what out of you. He won't stay long because he's run away. You got to be like that. If you're more, you're more excited at a ball game than you are dealing with the devil. I feel for you. Or makes you stay parade. You can go ahead and have turkey and let your kids watch the parade. I'm not saying it's all demonic. I'm just saying God's looking for people that will stand up to the devil. That's His enemy, and that's my enemy because I'm in Him now, and you are too. And, you know, he will listen to you if he knows you believe it. He's afraid. That's what makes him so radical. That's why he's so mental, the devil. He thinks he's going to get away with all this. You know, sometimes I just remind him about the end. The angel's going to slap a chain around you and throw you in a bottomless pit, brother. Not brother, but, you know, the devil. 
I mean, I got a lot of liberty, but not that much. Okay. All right. So Jesus took care of some things for us if we'll stand on it and believe it. Now, let's, uh, let me see here what I want to talk to you about in just a minute. I'm going to cut to the chase. I had a lot more here, but let me just talk, cut to the chase. Not everyone will receive because of different things, but all could. Yeah. So we're talking about receiving the healing you need or the help you need or whatever. So I'm going to list four things. I'm just going to kind of go over them real quick with you here. The first one is error. When you're taught wrong to begin with or have the wrong doctrine, then it's going to be a problem for you. You know, Isaiah 5, 13, let me go find that verse for it. You, you don't have to turn there unless you want, but Isaiah, let me find it again. Uh, Isaiah 5, 13 and 20. Let's see here. We'll get right around here somewhere. Here we go. Isaiah 5, 13 says, Therefore my people, this is us, that's old covenant, but still it's, we're God's, they were God's people, and we are too. We have a better covenant than they had, better promises than they had better advantage than they had because we're in a better covenant. It wouldn't be better if it reverted us back into the old covenant. How many understand what I'm saying? It wouldn't be better. So it's better. Therefore, my people, this is the old covenant, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. What I've been talking to you about, having a little knowledge here about healing, who's healing who, who's not healing us. You know, it could be that we just we haven't connected everything properly and thinking through on how we're going to receive. Now, here's the thing I found out a long time ago, and I made a decision back then, I'm not going to have it ought against any person. I could have it against a lot of people for selfish reasons because they jacked me. But I just forgave them all anyway. So I just stay in forgiveness mode. Because if you don't, you're going to have things coming at you that you can't handle. Jesus said that, you know, evil one sins thing. He doesn't send them, but because of your unforgiveness towards somebody. You, know, you hate that person. You're mad at that person. They, they, do you know what they did to me? No, and I don't care. I'm not an uncaring person. But when you're living in your grievance and your offense, you're going down, baby. Bing tide. I mean, Jesus, think about Jesus. Just think about this for a minute. Just one comment from the cross. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Who talks like that when people are killing you? Killing you for real. And you, you're going to go to hell. Forgive the people who are doing this. Because Jesus is understanding there's a motivation behind all that, and that's the devil. <laughs> and he said, forgive them. And that's a wonderful revelation. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. I remember one time I heard T.D. Jakes teach that. He taught excellent on that one thing I'm talking about here. He said if he hadn't forgiven, he may not got out of hell. Wow. What, a, what a word. That was a word of revelation that he had. And I sat there and wept in my living room chair hearing him talk about that. Jesus forgave everybody of everything. And I, I'm going to make it through because I'm going to be a forgiving person. I know I'm kind of quick to the draw and a little bit offensive to some people because, you know, you're not, you're not receiving it right. I'm just bold enough to talk to you like that, not in front of people. I'm just trying to give you the truth. And I only, you know, they only give me an hour. It's just church or wherever I'm at. <laughs> and I'm almost there. All right, I'm just talking here. Now, it says, my people are gone into captivity, and the devil's the one that causes that captivity because we didn't have knowledge. Now, Hosea 4 says the same thing. Hosea 4, 1 and 4, 6. 
We go down to verse 20 here, and this is really a big thing. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Are you listening? Yeah. See, well, that's really all. How many know that's all? When people call uh, evil good. I remember I was with uh, Tanya and her husband when their little girl was passing away. They used to go here to church, you know, really sweet people. And I knocked on the door, and a nurse came, and there was a couple doctors, four or five nurses in there. And I heard Tanya, is that her first name? Who is that? It's your pastor. Open that door and let my pastor in. See, she knew what to do. I wasn't going to yell at them. They're just doing the best they can do, but their best wasn't good enough to get that turn. I'm not, I'm not mean to people. I'm just saying, why wouldn't they want a preacher there? Thinking I'm going to jump, jump them out and try to beat it into them? That's not my mode. That's not what I do. I don't know what they said to her, but she was fat and mad. She said, I said, open that door. You all can leave. To throw my pastor, make him not come in because you're in here. He can be quiet. He'll listen to you. She didn't say, I'll believe with you. You know, she didn't say, I'd believe with them. I don't know what they said. Like a secret society. All right, I'm going to let that drop because I know you don't, you're not even with me on this. <laughs> Woe unto them that call evil good. You know, I've been in hospitals and, and go down the cancer floor with kids and stuff. I've done that many a time. I got a kid healed. He didn't have cancer. He had, um, what's that called? He ingested something in a grain elevator, fell in and ingested something. The You know, birds poop on that stuff. You don't act like I'm being bad talking to you like this. And he was just dying when I got there. I mean, I didn't know him. A friend of mine, a lady that's just a friend of mine, was in another state, called me and said, my friends have a son that fell in a grain elevator. And they say he's got something. What, I don't remember from the disease of that boobs, uh, bird stuff. And he's not responding well to anything. So I, I said, well, you think they'd receive me? And yeah, what hospital then? What's their name? I called over there and talked to the father. I said, you don't know me. My name's Dr. Jacob. But so-and-so called me. She's a friend of you and your wife. Yeah, that's true. I said, would you want me to come pray for your son? I'd be glad to come. I'll come tomorrow, me and my associate. So me and John Roberts went over there. He thought I was a doctor. He started crying when he saw me coming towards him. I said, honey, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to pray for you. Because his heart, his lungs all shutting down. That's beginning stages of when you die. He's six years old. And the, the dad was all shoveled. You would be too in a hospital dealing with your kid like that. And I prayed for him and he began to recover and he got better. And about a year later, this man comes into my church. He's in a suit. He's smiling. He comes up to me and said, Dr. Jacobs, I came to thank you. My son is living and he's back in school. And I said, well, if you hadn't known that, I had you give the testimony to the church. <laughs> Next time, think about it. <laughs> It's precious. And he recovered fully back in school. Didn't have any lasting effects of all that. Okay. So woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Yeah. Now, I'm not mad at people. This, sometimes the ignorance runs over into their mouth and they say things they shouldn't say about our Heavenly Father or our Jesus. That's all I'm saying. And we're all, if they just thought for a minute, a pastor, a normal pastor that has common sense common sense, you know, and spiritual sense, more importantly. 
he's going to help too, get your kid healed or do his best to get him healed or her. You know, I, I've done that before. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Sometimes there's all kinds of things I didn't know about, and you certainly didn't know about it either. You're not living with other people that you're around all the time. You know what I mean. How many are listening to me? How many shut me off 30 minutes ago would be honest with me? Okay. No, I'm just trying to put over what the Word says. I haven't went anywhere but the Word with you. And these testimonies, just, just talking to us here. All right. So error and wrong doctrine, when they begin to call what's evil, good. You know, God put that on you to teach you something. Or this is the one really, they put that on my kid to teach my kid something? I'm not going to serve him a day long. I'm getting out of this. That's my attitude. Because I know that's not about Jesus. He didn't live like that. Yeah. Number two, tradition. Sometimes we have traditions that we're come up against because we grew up in a church that taught traditions. And sometimes they didn't believe in healing because they never taught it in their church. And if you don't teach it, your people can't have it. And, you know, if you don't teach it, they don't have any faith. And they make up traditions about stuff, a lot of things like that. And it says in Mark 7, 9, 9 and 13, you make the word of God of no effect through your traditions. Yeah. I remember one time, Helen sitting over here, Helen Ziegler, I was in the hospital to see to pray for Michael. He was having some kind of heart surgery or something. And I just was real sweet about it, got in there. They had this lady from another country that was a different religion. I'm not, I don't have a religion, I have a savior. But anyway... And she acted ugly to me a little bit. I was going to pray for him or something. And she said, well, you're going to wait till I leave the room. How soon are you going to be gone? <laughs> you can go ahead and leave now if you want. And um, so she left and I prayed. And I prayed for Michael when he came through. But Helen was there that day sitting right over here. And she had a, a boy she knew about that was, what did he have, cancer of stomach? Something like that? Yeah. So I said, well, Helen says, would you walk with me? We went down to the bottom of the hospitals all connected over there in downtown Louisville, four or five or six of them. I said, would you go with me? I don't know these people. I don't even know the boy. He was 17, I think, at that time. Is that right, Helen? I went in there. Her parents, you know, bless his parents. They just act like, we'd like you to just shut up and get out. But they didn't say that. So I looked at him. I said, do you, do you want me to talk to you or not? I could get you healed if you'll let me. Jesus does not want you sick. He don't want you to die with cancer in the stomach. He's 17 years old. you got your whole life out of you. And they never said anything to me. I didn't say anything to them. You know, I'm talking to the boy. He's 17. He ought to be able to answer his own question. So I said, well, listen, i got to go. I'm going to preach to you for 10 minutes. I'm going to lay hands on you if you'll let me. If you don't, I'm just leave. But I want you to know that you don't have to die. You don't have to die sick. You don't have to die with this cancer. And I said, so what's it going to be? What do you think? He said, lay your hands on me, preacher, and pray for me. I laid hands and prayed for him, and God totally healed him, didn't he? Helen. He died of something else later, but he got married, I think, after that event. And just talking, you know. I didn't expect a, a, a cheering crowd when I got there, but, you know, when people just turn their head like this, we don't want you, you know, we don't want anything to do with you. But I said to the boy, this is your room. Would you like me to talk to you for a minute? I can if you want me to. And I'm not, I'm not tricky talker. I'm not long-winded, and I'm not going to tell you something you can't understand. God doesn't want you sick. God doesn't want this cancer in you. I'll pray for it. And he got it. I'm glad that he does that for us when we believe him. All right. So sometimes they have traditions. 
here, not rightly dividing the word. That's another cross. People divide it wrongly. And, uh, you know, Second Timothy says we must study to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of God. So that indicates you could wrongly divide the word, though it's the same Bible and the same wording, but nobody's doing any in-depth studying or asking God to bring revelation. That's the thing I do all the time, ask God to give me revelation about the word. You know what I mean? If you get revelation from the word, it's the word. I like what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said it this way. Some men read the Bible in Hebrew. That's the Old Testament. Some re read the Bible in Greek. That's the New Testament. But I read it in the Holy Ghost. Oh, man. What? And he raised 23 people from the dead in his lifetime. I'd say the guy knows something. I'd say he really knows something. I like that. So it all is natural knowledge. Sometimes you just got to study and let the Holy Ghost lead you and guide you. And, um, you know, stuff like that. You here with me now? Yes. Okay, I'm going to look at, uh, let's see, one more thing here. Um, let's go to Matthew 8. You guys have been a good crowd. You've been silent. I mean, I think you're drugged. <laughs> Holy Spirit, thank you. Is that you, Chester? Thank you. Matthew 8 here, and um, we're starting verse 1. We'll go down to about verse 3 here. And I, I'm just trying to un help you to understand it's not complicated. It is not complicated. People are complicated the way they think. And they make things complicated. But I found a verse that proves this. It says, don't let anything move you away from the simplicity or the simpleness of the word. So I determined after I read that one day, I don't have to be intellectual. I don't have to be able to read every book that everybody else has wrote and make me a big shot. I just have to love you, Jesus, and preach what you tell me to preach. He said, that's it, Michael. That's all you got to do. Live right, talk right, believe right, and keep moving forward. Not to put anybody down. I'm just trying to bring everybody up. You know, I don't understand why we wouldn't want the benefits. You know, I, I just did some study on angels again for the 50,000th time and taught on angels over there where I went because the pastor called me. I didn't know him. And I still don't know him very well, but he was having angelic visitations in his church on Sunday morning and he didn't know what to do about it. And I said, well, have you talked to him? No. Nope. Did you talk to the Holy Ghost about it? No. Nope. Well, there's where you're breaking down you need to talk to either of them, or if you can't see him, if you're big enough faith, you can talk. You just speak to the angel if you know he's there and ask him what he's doing there. Because angels don't wander around this planet trying to figure out what to do. They're there on purpose for some reason. So he, he said, would you teach on angels when you come? I said, I would love to teach on it. And, uh, you know, then I, and he called me back later and said, well, you can preach something else if you want, Doc. I said, angels are great. So anyway, just talking to you here. So, <clears throat> but in teaching on that, the Weymouth translation of Hebrews 1.14, you don't have to turn there, it says they are a benefit for us. The angels are a benefit. Now, I know natural people, carnal people, uh, hopefully you don't qualify for this comment, but some of you may. When you raise a kid in your, your home, a boy or a girl, either one, you want them to get the best education, the best knowledge, technical school, uh, you know, or whatever they're going to do for life. Go to school to learn about welding. Go to school to learn about heating, air conditioning, whatever. But when it comes to spiritual things, I think we've failed. Yeah. Right. 
You know, I taught my kids the things I know in the house when I was there. You know, when me and mom were, my wife's in heaven now. And we use, I use the angels every day for all the time they've been in the planet. So I'm just talking to you here. Because there's sometimes I couldn't be with them when they have a driver's license. I didn't hire a private detective. I wasn't that uptight. But I told them, if you do something I'm going to find out about it, you better think twice. Because if I find out and it's wrong, I'm going to punish you for it. I'm not going to beat them up or nothing. Don't get freaked out on me. I like what uh, Dr. Frank said. If your kid's acting up in Toys R Us, go in the bathroom, bend down, look in the stall. If there's nobody in there, beat the hell out of him. <laughs> Not literally, but give him a spanking. Maybe he needs a belt or she. He, he, he got that. He was in a Toys R Us one time, and a little guy came in. I want this, Mommy. I want that. I want this, Mommy. I want that. And she said, no, no, no. And he just threw himself on the floor and kicked and screamed and said, okay, let's go get it. That's a pathetic parent. Yeah. I hate to be so graphic, but it's just that way sometimes. Yeah. yeah. They don't, they're never disciplined. And then the kid gets bigger and he gets in trouble and he's got real discipline. The police arrest him. <laughs> you know, let's talk. I was never mean to my children. Don't believe Jordan when he tells stories on me. <laughs> he told somebody I threw him on the bed, threw him into the wall. That's, I didn't throw him into the wall. But he was talking profanity to my wife. And I told him about five times and warned him, and, he didn't, and his mother told him. And one day he smarted off and said something he shouldn't have said, and I followed him to his bedroom, and I slapped him in the jaw like that pretty hard, and he fell on the bed. Dad, what's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. Something's wrong with you. <laughs> now, you can either straighten up, or we can go to the backyard, and winter takes off. And I really don't care what you think. Don't come and talk to me about it because I'm not going to listen to you. I was never belligerent with my children. but And Jessica was so such, she loved her daddy and she didn't want to disturb me. Isn't that right? You were more compliant in that realm. But she got a spanking one time in a Walgreens and two old ladies about beat me up. I thought they were going to start swinging their purses. Anyway, I better close this thing here. Yeah, I sure love you a lot. Now, where are we going? We're in Matthew 8, aren't we? We'll begin verse 1 here. Thanks for giving me a little liberty. I'm 10 minutes over the time, sweet Jesus. Maybe 11, maybe 12. <laughs> when he was come down, verse 1, Matthew 8, Jesus, when he was come down from the mountain, the great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will. Be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now, we read that over in Luke, I think, when we started. But this is the same story. And notice he says, I know you could if you will. So you, you need to get that. It is God's will to heal you. I, don't, I mean, even if you did something radical that you shouldn't have done, hopefully you're smart enough to go to God before it's yeah. brought to light and say, God, forgive me, yeah. and I'm asking you for mercy. Yeah. That's what I do. Right. I ask him for mercy because his mercy is new every morning, yeah. not only the second Thursday of each year. Yeah. 
every morning. And he says, I will. I'm just giving you that so you'll know if you do come up for healing, you can get it. Now, I'm going to do it a simple way today because I'm not sure how many will come. But I'm just going to lay my hands on you, and I don't need to know what you have even. I know the anointing's on me to do this, and by teaching the Bible, I know God's on us to do this too. So, you know, you can stand up right now, and the ushers will get rid of this. Let me get my water. They'll get rid of this. And I want you to come, if you would, if you need hands laid on you for sickness, disease, pain, anything at all. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.